I want to read 2 Chronicles 22, verse 10. I want to continue a thought Devin started several weeks ago. And I want to talk about, this. I want to preach this thought today. You have my seat. You have my seat. I believe God's raising up a generation that's going to take their seat of authority back. And sometimes the enemy is successful in planting personalities, voices in places of authority that deceive a generation. But I'm going to tell you right now, God is jealous of authority and God is jealous of those who he seats in authority. And I believe he's just waiting on a generation who will accept their appointment and will seat in the, be seated in the place of authority he called them to be seated in. How many know your Bible says in the New Testament that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places? How many believe in the book of Revelation it says he made you kings and priests? How many know in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 that there is a treasure in us, the earthen vessel? Come on, you're not just a human being. You're a human doing. You're a, you're a king in the kingdom of God. You're a priest unto God. He gave you authority. He's the king of kings. If he's the king of kings, who's the kings he's king of? So today, let's talk about it. Second Chronicles 22, verse 10. Look at your neighbor and say, you have my seat. I'll take it back if you don't mind. You have my seat. Now when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal heirs of the house of Judah. But Jehoshabeoth, the daughter of the king, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being murdered and put him and his nurse in a bedroom. So Jehoshabeoth, the king, the daughter of King Jehoram, the wife of Jehoiada, the priest, for she was the sister of Ahaziah, hid him from Athaliah so that she did not kill him. And he was hidden with them in the house of God for six years while Athaliah reigned over the land. Lord, help us today. I ask for your help today to articulate everything you have in store for this house and what you are saying to us prophetically through this text. We ask it in Jesus' name and everyone said amen. Let me take you on a journey, please, through three chapters of 2 Chronicles. This is sort of a panoramic snapshot of one of the darkest periods of Israel's history. Now, I want you to understand I'm not a replacement theologian. Israel has its rightful place in the kingdom of God and in the plan of God in the earth and even in the word of God. We need to understand Israel is Israel. Amen? And blessed are those who pray for Jerusalem and its peace. And we do that today. But as I read through the story of Israel in the Old Testament, I think I find myself journeying through the chronicles of Israel's history 
understanding how God moved on behalf of his precious people of old and what that means as a testimony to you and I. He's a faithful God. He establishes his covenant and his word from generation to generation. He doesn't change his mind. When God ever declares and decrees a thing, he decrees it from the posture of a king and a king does not request or beg. A king makes a decree and it is so. When God said in his word that David would forever have a son who would rest upon the throne. When God said in his word that he would always have a king through the lineage of David. I believe that God knew how to protect his word to perform it. He told David I will make sure that your throne lasts forever. The kingship of David, the the throne of David would be established And the moment God declared that decree, hell did everything it could to remove David's lineage from the throne and try to steal the very future that God had already decreed for his people as they would live their lives. Now, what that means for us is that when God says David is going to have a son that is always on the throne, and the lineage of David is always going to be perpetually sustained even through Christ himself who was from the loins of David, by the way. When we look back into the Old Testament and see Satan's attack against the line of David, we understand that David, that, that Satan's attack against the line and lineage of David was to keep the Messiah from coming In the future. Because if we can ever cut off David's lineage, we can keep his great, 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 I think great grandson, Jesus, from being born through a virgin womb and becoming the king of heaven, the king of the Jew, the king of the Gentile, the king of glory, and the king of kings. That's what the the fight was about throughout the Old Testament. And you see this attack over and over again. Now, I'm I'm going to show you an image because this can get very tricky if I don't show you something. So you can you put that email slide up that I gave you? Thank you. This is so kindergarten, but it helps. Okay. At this particular time of this writing in 2 Kings 22, 23, and 24, Israel, the nation of God, was divided into two kingdoms. She is divided primarily because of an unjust tax that one of the sons of the kings employed on the people. It was too much for them to pay. And so they went in their separate directions and they formed two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom retained the title Israel and the southern kingdom became the title Judah. How many have ever read the Old Testament where it said a king of Judah? How many have read in the Old Testament where it said a king of Israel? Essentially what we're understanding when we read that is that this is the product of one kingdom divided into two. The northern kingdom at this particular juncture, this story really begins with Ahab and Jezebel. I do not want to waste my time in this pulpit talking about Jezebel. The devil with a skirt on. But I would tell you this. 
bloodline was polluted. Ahab and his spineless leadership married her. The merger and the marriage of these two created a contaminated leadership in Israel. And because of this contaminated leadership, Israel finds itself wandering away from the altar of Jehovah and they're now bowing their knee at the foot of Baal. This is why 1 Kings 17 says that a prophet named Elijah walked to the pulpit of the nation and declared to Jezebel and Ahab, if God be God, if Yahweh be God, serve him. If Baal be God, serve him. But let the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And you know the story, the fire of God falls. 450 false prophets of Baal are slain. Rain comes and revives the otherwise parched and and, and, and desert land. And the three and a half year famine ends because of Elijah's words. Jezebel and Ahab have a daughter named Athaliah. How many know the name alone is freaky? Athaliah means vexed by God. On the other side of the tracks is the southern kingdom and there is a king on the throne in Judah there named Jehoshaphat. And if you read the annals of of, of, of Judah's history, you will find that Jehoshaphat was by and large a very righteous king. He has a son named Jehoram. Now in order to develop a powerful alliance, the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, Athaliah, marries the son of Jehoshaphat. His name is King Jehoram. They have a son named Ahaziah. Ahaziah becomes the king. Ahaziah has a son named Joash. Are you following me here? I'm going somewhere. Ahaziah has a son named Joash, and the Bible said that Ahaziah, the son of Athaliah and Jehoram of Judah, only lived to be king one year. And when Ahaziah died, this is all found in 2 Chronicles 22, 23, and 24. Go home and study. It's a fascinating read. When Ahaziah died, his mother, Athaliah, went about killing any potential royal seed and lineage of David. Now, I don't want to impose this on the text, but this woman's heart was darkened. And she goes about to destroy every single potential King who came through the loins and lineage and bloodline of David. Why? Because Satan is always working in every generation to keep the authority of God out of its seat. Satan hates God-ordained authority. You don't believe me? You can have picnic pancake church forever and ruffle no feathers. But you ever let an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, pastor, a teacher stand up and rebuke, reproof, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine? You ever let somebody speak the truth in love and you will ruffle feathers and people will start getting all nervous because somebody, and I'm not talking about control. And I'm not talking about ungodly authority. How many have ever been subject to Shiite Christian leadership? Some of y'all missed that. 
The only thing difference between some Christian leaders and, well, never mind, I won't go down that. Let me help you understand something. If you can't serve, you're not qualified to lead. Say amen or owe me or something. Christian leadership is not boasting around with a title. Christian leadership is about walking around with a towel. And if you're not willing to pick up a towel, you're not, you're not qualified to handle the title. That's the reason why King David was such an honored, revered, celebrated king because he loved the people. And what we see working its way through this story is a line of arrogant, proud kings who had their own agenda. Ahaz, Ahaziah dies and all of the royal seed began to face extermination through Athaliah, the vexed one of Yahweh. She's sitting on her throne just like her mother. She's steering the direction of entire nation. And I'm going to tell you something about leadership. As the leadership is, so goes the pew. Let me just break it down in the church vernacular. We have weak pulpits, then we have weak pews. It's quiet. We had this thing going on in, in the church. I don't know. Seems like it's died down, thank God. We had this thing going on in the church for several years where it was the couth in thing to get divorced and run to another wife and call it a new season. It got quieter. And the reason it got like that is because leadership were changing spouses like they change clothes. Nobody wanted to talk about it in the church and everybody thought it was just okay to have irreconcilable differences otherwise known as pride. I want you to know, church, we've got to have solid leadership in the, in the place of authority or the pew begins to think it's okay to walk around with no moral compass. What's wrong with us? God, give us some preachers that live pure and pray long prayers and preach the truth and love people. So, and stay focused, Wallace. Athaliah is killing off anybody who may take the throne. And she sits, I need a seat. I need a seat. I should have told you, I'm sorry. She sits herself on a throne that has been marked for the line of David. I don't have time to teach this, Byron, but I want to tell you, I've never seen something destroy a person so quickly as them seating themselves in a seat they were not anointed to sit in. If you're not anointed to sit in that seat and graced to occupy it, the success of sitting yourself in that seat may be your destruction. Be careful what you covet. I have seen preachers who thought that because
because the crowd was big and the church was hopping, they could just take that thing to the next level. I want to tell you, if you're not called to take it there, sit in another seat. But don't sit yourself in a seat you're not called to. Because if you're not anointed for the seat, the, the, the magnitude of being in that seat may be the ruin of you. That's why Jesus said, avoid the most desired seat. Go sit in the back of the room. And when it's your turn, the master of ceremony will say, hey, get your tail up here and sit down where you belong. I'll never forget going to Florida. When I was in Florida, I sat on the back row with Pastor John and the worship team. They were in the back. I had my cap on and my tennis shoes on. I just had Achilles heel tendon surgery. I was hopping around like crippled Jacob. I'm sitting in the back trying to hide. This is a true story. Pastor William McDowell says, Wallace, is that you back there? He said, get up here and sit on this front row. I said, oh, I don't need to sit on the front row. He said, get up here and sit on the front row. And all these people start parting like the Red Sea. And I'm hobbling up through there like crippled Jacob. And I go sit on the front row. And I didn't have to worry about was I supposed to be there. Because I was tickled to death just to be in the building sitting on the back row. Y'all not helping me. I'm trying to help you. Before you can do what everybody wants to do while everybody's looking, you got to first be happy doing what nobody wants to do while nobody's looking. Athaliah sat down in a chair on a throne she wasn't anointed for. In fact, she was illegal and unauthorized. That's what we've been dealing with, in my opinion. I'm not talking about the throne of David now. I'm, 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 I'm hoping you see the prophetic parallel that when illegal, unauthorized, evil leadership seats, sits itself in thrones of authority over generations, generations continue to hear faults. Oh. And what I've come to tell the devil this morning is you have my seat. She's sitting down and she's operating from this perspective. I have killed the future. <laughs> I've gotten rid of all of David's line. I have successfully secured my future. Don't miss this. Self-preservation is a sin that tries to destroy the future. I will preserve my future at the expense of our sons and daughters. Let me kill off everything else so that I'm the only one who can lead. God, I don't have time. She's sitting down on a throne thinking, I've gotten rid of everybody. I've protected, I've cocooned my throne. I've protected it from anyone taking it in the future and she's sitting on this throne illegal, unauthorized and while she is sitting on this throne illegal and unauthorized there's a Jehoshaba Jehoshabaoth that is the daughter 
of Jehoram of Judah. Jehoram of Judah has a daughter named Jehoshaphat married to the high priest named Jehoiada. While Athaliah is full of darkness, Jehoshaphat or Jehoshaphat, both the same lady, 2 Chronicles 22, 23, and 24, call her Jehoshaphat. 2 Kings calls her Jehoshaphat. Same person. Je Jehoshaphat is from the same family but has a very different spirit. Aren't you glad you can be from a jacked up family but have a very different spirit? Who am I talking to? Has anybody in here come out of some crazy stuff and God done something for you? You better praise him. Don't you sit out there and act cute like you've been talking in tongues all of your life. Some of you had a mama on a bar stool and a daddy smoking a Marlboro, drinking a Tom Collins, and you're still in here in the house of the Lord. You got a different spirit. That's why I came to help somebody who's walking through hopelessness thinking your family tree will disqualify you from being used by God. I want to tell you Jesus had a great, 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 great aunt who was a prostitute. And if he can be born through a crazy family, you can too. I don't care what you came out of. I just came to celebrate where you're going. It don't matter what you used to do and what your house did. If if God be for you, who can be against you? Hosheba was a very different kind of person. Because when Athaliah went on a killing spree to get rid of all of David's line, Jehoshaphat. And her husband, the high priest, Jehoiada, took a son that everyone else forgot about. This is crazy, Elder. I couldn't believe this when I read it again. But for six years, she hid him. How many of y'all ever had a six-year-old you could hide? Don't sit out there and look at me like your kids fold their legs and clasp their hands and dress with a suit and bow tie. How many in here have some kids when they were five years old acting crazy at the Piggly Wiggly? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't sit out there and make me feel like my kids were the only ones. How can you hide a kid for six years in the house of the Lord? I'm telling you, I feel the Lord on me right now, Justin. I'm telling you, the house, is of the, the house of the Lord is a good place to hide your babies from the spirit of Athaliah that is loose in this world, trying to destroy all of the royal seed. You got some friends of your family that think you're crazy, that every Sunday you get up and get your family ready, and y'all go to Cracker Barrel and eat and come to the house of the Lord, and they wonder why you always got to be in church on Sunday and Wednesday, and God forbid a prayer meeting. That's just just too crazy for me. Why are you always in the house of the Lord? I'll tell you why. Athaliah's on the loose and she wants to kill all of the royal seed. But I have found that the house of the Lord is a good place to hide. Don't feel sorry for me. That when I was two and three years old, 
My mama dressed me in pajamas. Crammed me up under a church pew. Mama, can we go home? Shut up, boy. The preacher's just getting started. I dressed you behind in pajamas because we're going to be here till God gets through with us. Ah, my God, I feel like preaching in here today. The devil wants your babies. The devil wants your sons and daughters. But I believe I'm in a house with some people who want to raise their children in the house of the Lord. Why don't you slap your neighbor and tell your neighbor, leave me alone while I hide my babies. Leave me alone while I hide my family. Leave me alone while I hide my marriage. You can laugh at me, but my sons and daughters shall prophesy. When you you walk down the hallways of this kid's ministry, we're not babysitting. We're hiding children. When you walk down that nursery hallway right there, we're not babysitting your babies. We're hiding them. When you walk through that new youth complex, when we get it done, we're not entertaining a generation. We're hiding a generation. In fact, we're helping them hide the word in their heart that they might not sin against God. Don't feel sorry for my children. They get some money. Got some money for their birthday. First question I said, did you pay your tithes? Brother Wallace, you're so mean and so hard. No, I'm not. I'm teaching him when he was a nine-year-old. Y'all don't hear me. You say, Pastor, that's radical. That's the problem. The church has gotten unradical, and now we're producing a generation of mediocre, mundane, complacent, apathetic Christian children who are entitled to everything, proud about all of it, and serve nothing. So I say, you pay your tithes? Uh, Yeah, Dad, I did. Good. God's going to keep on blessing you. He was nine years old when I taught him tithing. Why would I do that? Because I was 18 years old when I started tithing. I wondered why I waited so long. This is too much for some of y'all. And you know why some of you can't shout amen? Because you don't tithe yourself, mom and dad. Oh, I just made the whole house mad at me right then. I got everybody packing their stuff, getting their umbrella, and running to the car. But I got you for a few few more minutes, so let me tell you the truth. How are you going to raise up a blessed son and daughter when you yourself can't show them the way? My God, if you want your children to be blessed, hide them in the house of the Lord. At the lie, I was killing everybody, trying to get rid of the future so she could protect her seat. But Jehoshaphat took the one. It's called a remnant. And if you search the scriptures in the Old Testament, you will find out. Know them? You will find out, as you know very well, over and over and over and over again through history, we were one thread away from losing the throne of Jesse. But God always stepped in and preserved. He's always got a Jehoshaphat. 
He's always got a Jehoshaphat that will protect Joash. He's always, what's, what's, the, what's the, the woman, uh, uh, Moses, Moses, the woman that protected him. Yacobed, he's always got a, how do you know that? He's always got a Yacobed that will protect Moses. He's always got a Mary and Joseph who will protect Jesus and get him to Egypt so that he don't have to die at the hands of Herod. God always preserves the remnant. And Jehoshaphat for six years puts Joash in the house of the Lord and hides him there. And all the while, she's sitting on her little throne in a seat that didn't belong to her. And God was getting ready for musical chairs. There was, you say musical chairs, yeah, hang on, I know the Bible. There was a man named Jehida who was the high priest who became a spiritual father to seven-year-old Joash. Do you hear what I just said? Joash became king when he was seven years old. When you get God, you don't get an elementary or a middle school Holy Ghost. You get God. One of the reasons why our children don't encounter God all the way through their teenage years is because we try to reduce him down to an elementary God or a middle school God. Just let him encounter God and he knows how to reveal himself to our babies. Well, my kid came home and was asking me about talking in tongues. Are you bothered by that? I'd rather my kids come home and ask me about talking in tongues than who is the latest American Idol. I don't care, it's how I feel. The Bible says that Joash was in the temple six years, seventh year of his life, he becomes king. Jehoiada, the high priest, the husband of Jehoshaphat, the daughter of Jehoram. God, this is crazy. Jehoiada takes the seven-year-old boy in And becomes a spiritual father to him. And starts speaking to him the law. And when he was seven years old, I'm wrapping up. When he's seven years old, Jehada, the high priest, comes up with the plan. It's time to take the seat back. I find it interesting that seven is the number of completion. God will never promote a generation until they're ready. But when God gets ready to promote a generation, it doesn't matter who don't like it and who tries to stop it. If God be for us, who can be against us? I want to prophetically declare that I believe we are moving into a time when God is saying a generation is ready to sit down in a, a seat that I have called them to. I am sick and tired of people who are illegal and unauthorized and unqualified making decrees and declarations over our generation and we sitting up there watching it on Fox News and CNN like we have no power. The devil is a liar. We're not a civic group, a social club. We're the ecclesia in here today. This is the government of heaven on earth and I came to make a decree and we came to make a declaration and not one thing hell can do will stop it. 
Jehoiada, the high priest, goes to a third of the soldiers and says, you camp here. What is this so rich? I don't have time to break it all down. He gets a third of them to stand on the outside, a third of them to stand on the inside, and a third of them to escort the seven-year-old king. I need every musician on the stage right now. Please. Because we're getting ready for musical chairs. He says, you go stand on the outside and protect the outside. You stand in the court and protect the court and you usher the king in. And when you hear the trumpet and the music and the celebration, the seven-year-old Joash is going to be placed on that pillar. I don't even have time to go into the pillar. Before he ever sat on a throne, he stood on a pillar. The pillar was the place where the decrees were made. In this particular context, a covenant was wrought here at the pillar. There's so many different ways this could go. Theologians say a bunch of different things, but all of them agree on this one thing. The fact that the boy stood by the pillar was significant. It is there that covenant was made with the people. He stands in by the pillar. They blow the trumpet. They go crazy. All of a sudden, they bring the seven-year-old boy in to take the throne. And the only reason why Athaliah knows something is wrong is because she hears a sound of celebration. I'm getting ready to run to my car. Hallelujah. I don't know if anyone else feels in your feet what I feel in mine right now. But that's why we have been talking about a sound in this house. That's why we've been talking about a sound in the kingdom. People are getting wore out. I'm tired of hearing about a sound. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. There's a reason why a sound is emerging from the house of the Lord that is a different kind of sound than any kind of sound that has been released in this generation. It's because the sound of God is getting ready to initiate a change of guards and a shift in authority. The devil is not in charge. Athaliah is in trouble. The remnant, oh my God, I'm getting ready to run, is alive. You thought this generation was in trouble. You thought this generation was through. You thought this generation was good for nothing. I came to tell you God's been doing a work in the hidden place in the house of the Lord. The devil thought he had the future. But I came to make an announcement on this Sunday morning, March 11th, 2018. As long as Yahweh lives, there will always be a generation that he is preserving. He will always have a people. I'm done. This, stand up, sweet mother. This is one of the longest, I think she is the longest, serving prayer church mamas in this building. I'm not going to ask her how old she is. I know, but I'm not going to embarrass her. You're 85 and not ashamed. Is that what you told me? Okay, well. She's been with me 15 years. You look, you look pretty. Your new glasses look beautiful. 
You know what she leaned up and told Devin a few minutes ago when all those babies were up on the stage? Tell her what you told her. She lived to see her work completed, and God had put her in that position, and she was special. She was going to see what come to an end. This abortion. I don't think you heard her. If you heard her, you're not praising him loud enough. She said, God's going to let you see this thing of abortion come to an end. My God, somebody help me as we celebrate. Musical chairs are happening. There's a shift coming in a... You better not get political. Shut up. This isn't politics. This is life. And I'm telling you, God's getting ready to give us a turnaround in this nation. So sick of politics. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about life. Stand with me. I'm through. Please. They brought Athaliah out of the temple into the courtyard. This is crazy. But with the weapons of David, go read 2 Chronicles 23 and 24. The weapons that the guards used to defend and to kill Athaliah were the weapons of David hidden in the temple of God. They went back in there and got the spears and the shields of David and they brought them out and they took that demon-possessed Athaliah into the courtyard of the temple and they slew her. You say, Pastor, that sounds awful harsh. God will preserve a remnant and those who stand in his way and oppose his work and plan will happily find themselves fighting against the hand of almighty God I didn't even get to 24 but in 2nd Chronicles 24 this 7 year old Joash don't leave you're getting ready to hear the amount <laughs> I know how to keep a crowd Seven-year, I'm kidding, seven-year-old Joash goes to the throne. We don't know exactly how long the time was between verse 1 and verse 2, but verse 2 of Second Chronicles 24 says that Jehoiada, the high priest, brought him two wives. And he, don't miss this. He had sons and daughters. It says it that way. Second Chronicles 24, it says he had sons and daughters and the next verse says and he had it in his heart to repair the temple and my point is this when you start having sons and daughters you start renovating youth buildings that's what he did he started building again. I know it's the temple. I know it's Israel, but see the prophetic line up here. When Joash started having sons and daughters, 2 Chronicles 24, 1, 2, 3, 4. When he started having sons and daughters. In fact, can you put that on the screen, Chad? I want them to see it. 2 Chronicles 24, 1, 2, and 3. 
get that together quickly. Joash was seven years old when he became king, reigned over 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibiah of Beersheba. Next verse. Joash did what was right in the sight of God, the Lord, all the days of the all the days of Jehoiada the priest. Next verse. Jehoiada took two wives for Joash, and he had sons and daughters. Look at the next verse. Now it happened after this that Joash set his heart on repairing the house of the Lord. Why would he repair the house of the Lord? Because all of a sudden he had he had somebody to inherit it. And when you start having sons and daughters, you start making investments into your future. Next verse, next verse, watch. Next verse, watch. Uh, next verse, watch. He gathered the priests and Levites and said to them, go out to the cities of Judah, gather from all, the, all Israel money to repair the house your God from year to year and see that you do it quickly. Somebody shout quickly. However, the Levites did not do it. What? It's a problem because we don't have time to waste. Next verse. So the king called Jehada, the chief priest, and said to them, why have you not required? This is one ticked off king. Why have you not required the Levites to bring it from Judah and from Jerusalem, the collection according to the commandment of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and of the assembly of Israel for the tabernacle of witness? Next verse. For the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman, had broken into the house of God and had all presented all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord to Baal. I'm tired of Baal having all the money. <laughs> Yahweh is not broke or poor. Oh, I feel like running through a troop and leaping over a wall right now. Next verse. Then at the king's command, they made a chest. Here we go. Set it outside at the gate of the house of the Lord. Next verse. And they made a proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem to bring the Lord the collection that Moses, the servant of God, had imposed on Israel in the wilderness. Next verse. Then all the leaders and all the people rejoiced. They brought their contributions, put them into the chest until all had given. Next verse. So it was at that time when the chest was brought to the king's official by the hand of the Levites, when they had saw that there were, that there was what? What? Fill my cup, Lord. Throw your cup away, family. It's time to get a 55-gallon drum. He's not El Chipo, he's El Shaddai. That the king's scribes and the high priest officer came and emptied the chest and took it and returned it to its place. Thus they did day by day. And last part, here it is, last part. And they gathered money in abundance. When you start having sons and daughters, you start repairing things for the future. And so today, No, I'm fine. I'm fine. Woo. I really am okay. So today we took an offering up. And we still have people who are going to give some this week. This is what came in today. 
one million one hundred fifty-three thousand three hundred It's a million dollar Sunday. My God, somebody help me praise the Lord in this church. Pastor Josh had to get on a plane to go to Germany today. Pastor Quantel and Kaylee are here. It's in order for us to lift up a few moments of praise and worship right now. Oh, my Lord. It's a supernatural thing that God has done for us. It's marvelous in our sight. I need everyone that will to help me bless the Lord. I hear the Holy Ghost on me now. I hear the Holy Ghost. We did this 10 years ago. Before we went into a building program, we brought elders and deacons and leaders on the stage to dance, and I want every elder and every deacon to get on the stage with me right now. Every one of you, hurry up, leaders, salt team leaders, come on the stage with me right now. Oh, hallelujah. There's a shifting in authority happening. We want our seat back in the name of Jesus. I just want you to lift up a high-sounding praise on every instrument, and I want everybody in this church to worship the Lord for what he has done and what he will do. Let the worshipers worship. Let the worshipers worship. 
Let the praisers praise. Let the joy of the Lord be ashed. some sons and daughters to run up here and jump with us. I want some teenagers to come up here and help me praise the Lord. If you want to know what we're going to do for the next five minutes, we're going to lift up a Thanksgiving praise. Yes! Yes! We give you praise, Yahweh! We give you praise, Yahweh. Somebody help me. Somebody help me. Thank God today. Come on. Come on. Come on. For the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. For the Lord is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Yoli, Yoli, get her. Stand right there, I want everyone to dance with you. Yoli, let it out, baby. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. is among us. We worship you, Jesus. Well, it's still coming in. And we're going to keep on counting it. But I want to let you know that tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., I'm calling Brian Bledsoe at Dwell Construction, and I'm going to let him know you better get those plans ready, and you better get to work on them. Somebody help me praise him for 30 more seconds. This is our miracle. This is our blessing. We celebrate the goodness of the Lord together. This is how we fight our battle. Athaliah, this is how we fight our battles. Yeah! This is how I fight my battles. Yeah. This is how I fight my battles. 
Come on, lift it up. This is how. Believe it, sing. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Okay, come here. I'm going to sing it because you felt like I was supposed to, but you're going to help me. You know it? You don't know it. It's going to work out pretty good. There's a breaking in my favor. There's Sing it one more time, there is a breaking.
This is Alabante. Close. Okay. He's 17 years old. And he looks really hip. And he came up to Pastor Devin and said, we're supposed to sing this song. Next time you do that to me, I'm going to make you sing it with me. You got me? Okay. But I felt like I'm supposed to tell you, Alabante, we're building this building for you. Because you've got a future in the kingdom of God. You have anything? Because I really could just go sit down and smile for 24 straight hours. Here's what I want to tell you. Today was a miracle. But this forward journey isn't done. We're going to raise the rest of the money for this building. And every dime you give beyond today through the rest of this year will be matched. And listen, you say, Pastor, what happens if we reach $1.4 million? There's more. And we'll talk to you about more. I didn't think we'd be talking about more this quickly. But we're going to be talking about everything else God has in store. All we're going to do is keep the chest open like Joash did. And I am praying for Albante and for every other son and daughter's sake in our church that 2018 would be a year where we receive more in giving. For no other reason, but there's a shift in authority, and it's time. We receive your word. We receive your. It's just the beginning. I don't even know how I could say that except by the Holy Ghost. It's just the beginning. Increase, Lord. 
increase has hit this house today. It's hit your house today. If I were you, I'd go home and expect supernatural increase on everything I'm involved in. Businessmen, increase. Businesswomen, increase. Working, hardworking men and women, increase. Blue collar, white collar, increase, increase. Sons and daughters, increase. We give you praise, Lord. Take your neighbor by the hand. Bonte, thank you for obeying the Holy Spirit, sir. God, I bless our church. I bless the continued gifts toward moving forward. This youth complex and every project beyond. Lord, like Joe Ash, you've called us to repair some things that were broken down. We're not dozing. We don't have land to build new buildings on. We're taking buildings that have been used in the past and repairing them. And we dedicate every single one of them to you, Lord. And as we move forward, bless every family. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Let's give him praise all over the room. I, I, please, before you leave, it is very important to me that during lunch and dinner, you take time to tell your children that may not be in this room what the Lord did for them today. I want them to know God worked a miracle for them and give him all the glory. The last thing I want to tell you is I need you to get cards for Easter on your way out and give them away. Please go to the church Facebook page or Instagram or Twitter and take the picture we made available and spread it. Just share it. Let the word get out for Resurrection Weekend and for Good Friday and for the egg drop and help us save a lot of advertising money by advertising for us. You're the family, and we couldn't do it without you. Thank you, Lord. One year ago to the weekend, one year ago to this weekend, You held our hand, God, as we made the biggest leap of our lives. We don't understand it all, but we follow you, Lord. And today you have blessed all of us. And for this, we are so grateful. Seal this blessing in our hearts. May the joy of the Lord be upon this house. And may a spirit of thanksgiving be always in our hearts and on our lips. And we thank you, God, for what started today. But we just believe, Lord, it's going to continue to happen. 
what you started today, let it continue to flow. We ask your blessing on our people and on this house. Keep them safe as they travel. Watch over them in all their ways. Be with us today, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. We'll see you Wednesday night in the house of the Lord, 7 p.m. God bless you.